Hi, I'm Erica Darvis. Hi, I'm Amy Randolph. And you're listening to Podcast Rewind. We are two best friends talking hot topics and all of the podcasts that we're totally obsessed with. So come please be our friend on social media. You can find us at Podcast RWD on Instagram and Twitter, and then head over to Facebook and search Podcast Rewind. You can listen to our show wherever you're already listening to your favorite podcasts. Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever that is, make sure that you rate, review, and subscribe because we need your stars to keep this show going. Cheers. Cheers. Let's talk podcasts. Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 41 of Podcast Rewind. Amy and Erica back from another quick little break we didn't mean to take. Whoops. (laughs) Hey, Amy, what is going on? How's it feel to be back on the microphone? Um, It feels great. I'm excited. We've got a really cool show coming up. Yes. I am so excited to be using my voice at all because (laughs) I had a little bout of pneumonia. Yes, you have. I was sick as a dog. I've been telling people in my office this week, now that I've been back, that I died last week, but got better. And no one seems to think it's as funny as I do, but... Um, you have a tendency to think you're the funniest person in the room. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, excuse me. I'm not going to lie. I will be coughing this episode. I'll do my best to dive the mic to not blow up your ears. But in all seriousness, you guys, I was down for the count last week. Even if we had a show planned, there's absolutely no oh. way I could have recorded last week. I wouldn't have let you on these microphones. I don't know if we could have disinfected them enough. Oh, God, no. Yeah. And this like, might be the, the closest, closest we've talked. Oh, absolutely. You're very brave. <laughs> I'm, I'm very, very brave. Proud of you. Thank well, you. I'm fully back on the horse, and that includes the wine. So cheers. Cheers to, to back on the wagon. Back on the wagon. It's time for drink of the week, and I'm having. A Bellicera Pinot Grigio. Oh. You know, it's from like the $12 bottle line. Stop it. I know, like the middle show. Yes. Right? Feeling fancy. Feeling fancy on a Tuesday to celebrate us coming back. I'm having a bottom shelf <laughs> Woodbridge cat, uh, <laughs> Pinot Noir. I don't even know what I'm having. It's red. It's delicious. Pinot? Pinot Noir. Pinot your way. Pinot your way. Absolutely. <laughs> but, um... We have been gone for a little bit. Yes, Amy's pneumonia sidetracked us. Life happens, but that doesn't mean we don't have things that we're not obsessed with. It certainly doesn't mean that I stopped listening to podcasts. No. In fact, I got a backlog. You do. (laughs) I I have also watched as much TV as one possibly could have in five days, and so I had to break it up by, like, reading a book Uh and listening to some podcasts, so... I have so much that I listen to. Yeah. But before we get to all of that, we have to talk, of course, like we always do, about what we're obsessed with. Yes. What are you obsessed with, E? Well, you did watch a lot of TV this past <laughs> week or sure so, did. but so did I. We cut the cable cord. Yeah, um, so exciting. We'll see how that reflects on the old wallet <laughs> in the future, because there are still some channels we're needing in our life. But I yeah. found this channel, I've never heard of it before, called Cozy TV. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. on it, I am able to record and watch The Nanny. And if anybody knows me, I have been on a one-woman campaign to get The Nanny on Netflix or any kind of streaming service because, as you say, it's like mother's milk. Like, nothing yep. makes me f- more at home than listening to Fran Fine scream Mr. Sheffield and that high nasal voice. And it has been a pleasure to have, like, 30 episodes of The Nanny at my disposal. This really has been a campaign of yours since way before we even started this podcast. I, 
and logged s- about it once. <laughs> well, so now I have to ask you, do you almost have like that post win blues? You know, like you fought so hard and so long <laughs> and now that you have what you want, there's nothing left to fight for. What are you going to do with all well, that energy? I mean, I could like tackle things like garbage island, like <laughs> things like that. However, Biden I'm not. Yes, I'm not entirely done with my campaign because you can only watch what's been DVR'd. And like, I would like the full like six or seven seasons at my disposal. The way that like when I just want to crawl into bed and watch a funny, I go straight to the office, season four, the dinner party. And just have a good laugh. I want to know that I can click over and find the episode when Fran goes on the Rosie O'Donnell show, which I watched sure. the other day. And that was a 90s throwback with the koosh balls into the audience. Sure. And it just felt like we haven't had such great, ridiculous, wholesome television since I think the 90s. Like, it's all absolutely bogged down with crap these days. And, like, I just want to laugh. And right? it has been so good. And, like, nothing can just be funny anymore. We have yeah. to have an issue with everything nowadays. Yes. And it is good just to go back to that era where just you just sat down and laughed for a half an hour. Yeah. I forgot about the bullshit in the world. Right? Like, just give me a single camera. I don't want these multi-cameras. I don't want this documentary stuff. I want a house where the couches are pointed at a wall, and I think maybe the TV is there. <laughs> the TV you never see. The TV you never see. But, anyway, it's been so delightful. I'm so happy that I have Fran Fine in my life. I'm so happy for you. Thank you. Proud of you. Amy, what did you muster up? You know, I have to speak my truth. Yes. And uh, the last time we did do a show a couple weeks back, my obsession was 90 Day Fiance. <laughs> yes. Again, more television. And I, I have to go with my true self and tell you that I am so fucking obsessed <laughs> with 90 Day Fiance and all iterations of 90 Day Fiance, Happily Ever After, question mark. mark. And 90 Day Fiance, Before the 90 Days, which I'm currently watching. I cannot stop. And I feel so validated in this obsession because it's not just me. Something has changed There's here. There's at the end, it. At the end of summer 2018, rubbing up into fall 2018, everybody is coming with me. Now, I know plenty of you were already on the 90 Day Fiance bandwagon, but some of us were sleeping and we're <laughs> sorry. So... I mean, just to mention a podcast already here, our girls over at Bitch Sesh have just found 90 Day Fiance, and they are dedicating now a weekly segment at the end of their show, and I could not be more thrilled. I also listened to Reality Life with Kate Casey today, Uh who I mentioned very quickly on a previous episode. She had Jesse, for those of you that are watching, she had Jesse as of Darcy and Jesse, and he made out not to sound like a serial killer. It's a fascinating Fascinating interview. Go listen to it if you have not already. I will say, I'm the one that broke the news to you that Bitch Sash was adding like 15 minutes at the end. Mm -hmm. And to see the utter joy on your face when I got to tell you that one of your favorite podcasts was now on this bandwagon... I mean, maybe it's how mothers feel when they, like, lay eyes on their child for the very maybe. first time. We don't maybe. know. But, like, watching you just this elation come over your, like, pneumonia-stricken body uh-huh. that there was something to live for on the other side of this disease. There are very few things in life that bring me pure, unadulterated, just joy. And that news from you, I mean... Look, I could have walked on clouds. <laughs> I think you I did. was so happy. So, look, I, I, I know 
that I might, I should be over this by now. I'm just not. I'm still totally obsessed with 90 Day Fiance. All good. But we are always still obsessed with podcasts. With our podcasts. And so, like Amy mentioned earlier, we've got a great show for you today, but we did want to share that we might, we're going in a little bit of a different direction. So, you know, come along with us. One of Amy and I's favorite things to do, and the reason we got into podcasting is because we loved listening to podcasts and talking about them with one another, but the conversations that would strike up from these podcasts and the deeper understandings we would get just created this new elevation to our conversation. So what we want to do is really bring you into those conversations. So each week we're going to pick a new hot topic, if you will, to discuss that and then talk about the podcasts that got us on this journey and what we learned from them. Absolutely. And we, uh, you know, we both listen to a lot of podcasts, but there's other sources out there. Uh I like to read a lot of stuff on the internet. I get a lot of notifications from different websites on my cell phone. And so I grab a lot of headlines that way. And we're hoping that this new format is going to lead to further discussion, maybe a more in-tuned discussion. So for you as the listener, it's less of a grab bag popcorn show and more of, you know, some fun stuff on the beginning and the end. But a real deep dive conversation. And this way too, we can bring in some other sources besides only podcasts Mm -hmm. to have this full robust talk. Um, And I hope I'm not sounding too blustery or serious. Yeah, Yeah, because we're still going to have some fun here for sure. Each week, you know, and we've got a list of topics that we are so excited to get into and they're not always going to be serious or be fun. I mean, like when we talked about music last time, like I could have done that for days, but you know, there's all these great podcasts out there that really help spark conversation. And we think that's the most important thing to share is our true conversations. So we're going to go ahead and start it off with this week um, with a topic that has been over the past year now has been such a hot topic almost daily in the media. But um, now it's starting to maybe spin out a little bit Mm -hmm. and not be what it started to. So we want to kind of deep dive into the Me Too movement. Yeah. How it started and where it is now, and are we on the right track? Yeah. So I, you know, I looked at Wikipedia today. Ooh. So let's start off, not that there's anybody listening to this <laughs> that is unaware yeah. of the Me Too movement, but I just kind of wanted to get a, get a couple of facts straight. Like, yeah. So actually in 2005, a woman named Tarana uh, Burke mm-hmm started this idea of what if all women who were experienced in sexual assault or harassment were to stand up and say, me too, to prove to the world how widespread the issue really is. Now, that was before social media back in 2005, and so the idea didn't catch on so much, but last October, late September, early October, when Harvey Harvey Weinstein fell, it's really when this just ripped open at the seams, and... um, Alyssa Milano put out on Twitter on October 15th, 2017, hashtag MeToo. And by the next day, I think over 4 million retweets and mentions of that hashtag, and it's not gone away since. I would love to know what the stats are on that <coughs> hashtag. Is it the number one hashtag? You know, mm-hmm. where does that look like? Because it did blow up, and all of a sudden, you went from one day not knowing about Me Too to the next day, this deluge of information and Me Too and looking around and realizing you're not alone. Right. And so that's if – you, if you go back to the beginning of the Me Too movement, it was to the, – the concept of Me Too was for women to post that on their social media 
and a sign of this has also happened to me, whether or not I've come open with my story Mm -hmm. in a public way, or maybe just to my closest friends, or maybe to nobody at all. But if you were to post that Me Too, the idea was to present to the world how widespread the problem is. And it led to so many conversations. Mm -hmm. So it led a lot to conversations, of course, of... Um, feminism and the male establishment treating women badly. Yep. That's definitely a conversation that's been had a lot. It's led to a conversation of what is consent. Mm-hmm. Um, and it certainly led to a lot of conversation about workplace harassment. Yeah. Um, specifically male on female. But there were some good stories in the beginning, don't you think? Like with Terry Crews and James yeah. Vanderbeek coming out and sharing stories where we had to realize and remember that men can be victimized and women can be abusers just as well. And not even just men, but like highly masculine men. Mm-hmm. Like Terry Crews is literally a, beast. a brick wall. So funny, great actor. But yeah, just to look at somebody like him and be like, wow, you too. Okay, really breaking down even more stereotypes. I was reminded too when I was um, looking on Google how for a little bit there, men... Um, had their, they started a hashtag like I have and then hashtag how I will change. Uh-huh. So men recognizing maybe they had taken part in behavior that was not completely consensual yeah. on the female's behalf or maybe had made some comments in public that may have taken away from a woman's power and, uh-huh. you know, recognizing that. But I think that over this last year, yeah, Me Too has just kind of become a... A synonym for feminism. Yes. And I think as well as just like almost, and if I can kind of talk about any kind of sexual assault, and I think about the Babe article with Aziz Ansari. Yeah. Where the girl destroyed him in an article because he was a shitty guy on a date. And in the end, she said no. Things went back and forth. She said no. And he was like, okay, bye. And she left. And then she wrote the scathing article and was like oh me too and it's like but me too seemed to really come out of a concept of I'm abusing power and stopping you from getting a job or taking it really into the workplace and now it's you had a bad date with Aziz Ansari and blasted him all over right that how did that that was almost like the turning point when we jumped to the shark on what is right. a really good important movement yeah and you were telling me when we were kind of prepping for this show that you listened to a podcast with the editor of Jezebel. Yeah, so I was listening to it's called How It Is. And this is on the Hello Sunshine network, which is actually started by Reese Witherspoon. So really great strong female voices. We love you, Elwood. We really do. So her podcast is hosted by Diana Guerrero, who was on or probably still is on Orange is the New Black. I don't know. People die in that show all of the time. I think she's the one that I can't remember her character's name, but had the baby by the um by the CO. It's the friend of that character. Oh, okay. Her little Latina friend. Okay. Uh-huh. She's got a great story because her parents are immigrants and were taken like in the night from her. Mm-hmm. And she was raised in America. That aside, she did have on this podcast, it was all about the gray area. And that's kind of where we're living right now as we are starting to be a year out from Me Too. What does this look like? It's not black and white. We're still learning. There's nuances. She did have on the Jezebel founder, Anna Holmes, and it's a female-driven um, journalistic kind of website. Think Hello Giggles, all that stuff. But even like a much more stronger presence. And she feels really responsible in this world of what they're calling like rage culture. 
So you can't be politically correct online. You can rage out against people while someone's like learning and we're taking away from messages because somebody posts something that is a little nuancing and it's in that gray area and that person is trying to learn, whether it's me too or learn about feminism and all people do in the comments is destroy them. Absolutely. And now because we have so much noise out there and I think articles like Babe, that is even sorry, we have noise. We are just surrounded by noise and rage and the message is gone. What is the message? You know, like you said, you had to reground yourself on the real foundations of Me Too. That never should have left us. That should have just been at the top of the heap all of the time. Right. You know what I was thinking about today and kind of thinking about this show is Me Too doesn't seem to have a strong enough plan to keep its message clear uh-huh. and then moving forward for atonement of the abusers to kind of reenter polite society, mm-hmm. as they were saying it on Call Your Girlfriend, a podcast I listened to. But I was thinking to myself today, what movement really did start very planful? You know, if you think about it, a, yeah. lot, of, a lot of civil rights movements were incited by particular events or uh-huh. a series of events, and people rose up and said, yeah. no more of that shit. Yeah. But it wasn't necessarily like we had committee meetings yeah, and, right. and got a production schedule together. Exactly. With, That's so true. With an end game. Right. Um, so speaking of, I was listening to Call Your Girlfriend this week, and they put out a great episode called Abuse of Power Comes as No Surprise, mm-hmm. where they talked a lot about the abusers. We can't really banish them to go live under a rock forever. You know, specifically, they were talking about <laughs> Louis C.K. Uh-huh. So... Louis C.K. showed up in a um, comedy club last week, uninvited, just kind of surprised, dive-bombed the audience, (laughs) and did a set to Mixed Reactions. And as the host of Call Your Girlfriend said, clearly he's learned nothing about consent. So true. And uh, so here's the thing. Can we really banish those, you know, abusers forever? No, but they can't just show back up like, have I spent enough time in social jail? Yes. You've got to atone. And that's what I think we're still learning. Mm-hmm. You know, nobody really knows. what. It's not like you got sentenced for stealing something from a store and the law says you go to yeah. jail for six months, then you're free and clear and come back out and try to do better. This is social law. This is social law. Like I said, it's polite society yeah. who decides when you come back and we don't really have a roadmap for this yet because we've not allowed anybody back in full. Louis C.K. tried and it remains to be seen whether or not he's going to get his career back after this. And does he deserve his career back without proper atonement? Because, you know, his victims never got the careers that he took from them when yep. he abused them all those years ago. I think I was saying to you just last night, like, Harvey Weinstein, whether if he comes out and gives all of the money to all of the feminist charities on the planet... That's still not going to give Mia Servino her career back. Yeah, and justice for Romy and Michelle. She is She's amazing. Um, Huff Post just had, a, you know how much I love a Huff Post article. You love Huff I love Huff But so um, Marina Fang wrote an article. Well, just a reminder: let's not give alleged sexual harassers a comeback narrative. So to go along with the atonement and what are we supposed to do with these men or nor women? And so this article was actually first published in April, but they republished it because as they said, these guys keep popping back up. (laughs) And so it was all about how Matt Lauer, I guess back in April, was walking down the street or something and told fans, I'll be back on TV. And then Louis C.K. pops up at this comedy club, from which I hear, by the way, made rape jokes. Women were in the front row and just mean mugging him. It's like... 
Come back and try clean comedy. You can't come back and do rape comedy. But as they said, yeah. Sorry, not to interrupt. I just don't know how much I believe any of that until I hear a clip or see a photo. Yeah. I mean, it's all allegedly. Yeah. But as they said, a comeback, it implies that these men are the underdog or the victim, and they are neither. So there are so often times people saying like, oh, well, they'll they'll come back and all that stuff. Comeback is like poor little Demi Lovato with her bipolar and her unfortunate addiction. If she comes back again out of the ashes, we'll all be so happy to see her. But Louis C.K. Was, did really gross things. Did mm-hmm. he get a comeback? Yeah, it's it's not good to call it a comeback when it's like we punished you and we sent you away. It's not like you broke your neck and had to go through all this physical therapy yeah. to come back to your craft you did a naughty boy thing. Mm-hmm. We caught you. We banished you from polite society, if yeah. you will. You don't get to just show back up. You have to show us that you have atoned and that you've learned and yeah. that you're sorry. You'll try to make some sort of restitution towards your victims and certainly never, ever do that again. Yeah. I We're not see seeing walk- that. I want to see you walking out of church. I want to see you going into a building that I know is just tons of therapists. I want to see you doing the work as opposed to sitting back and literally counting the minutes until you think you can come back. Right. Uh, they were calling just that empathy on Call Your Girlfriend. Oh, that's so good. Um, you know, because there is a lot of talk, about, especially kind of in the comedian community, I think is where you hear it the most, where they're like, well, you know, hasn't he, you know, paid enough time? He can come back now and look. You know, where the joke, his comedy wasn't that bad. Okay, he did a bad thing, but, you know, like there's just a lot of empathy for poor Louis C.K. No, no, let's remember poor victims. Yeah. You know, and his comedy was nasty. You and I, huge fans of Louis C.K. And problematic fave had to remove the fave from that phrase eventually. And every now and then, we both want to like quote a Louis C.K. thing or make a joke, and we're like, oh, yeah. I can't do that anymore. Patton, keep it together. John Mulaney, touch nobody. Like, I can't keep Louis. You boys be fucking cool. You hear me? Right? Mm-hmm. I don't have empathy for Louis C.K. I heard that comedy. He raunchy as fuck. Yeah, and, okay, so this is kind of a little bit off topic, but I think going back to the topic of rage culture yes. that's been born out of this hashtag me too and... You know, how men are feeling like the women are coming for them, and that's not really all that helpful. Mm -hmm. And there are some women who are being just blatantly screaming and yelling at every time a man looks sideways, which, uh, you know, if if they're honestly feeling victimized, okay, but it does feel like we've all gone into a rage. And I think it's really evident in how afraid a lot of comedians and just public personalities that had a Twitter pre-2014, everyone is... Uh, you know, how we are looking at everything anyone has ever said on tape or written yeah. on the internet and taking that to persecute them now in 2018. And it's kind of all born out of this. We found out what you did years ago yeah. in the, in the Me Too takedown. And now, I mean, James Gunn from the Avengers, the, same thing. the director of the Avengers film was just fired prior to the production of the third Guardians um, of the Galaxy. Gall- Guardians of the Galaxy. Thank you. Not oh, Avengers. Good. Guardians. And, it was over some tweets from 2008, which were incredibly distasteful. Yes. But he has certainly not shown any sort of behavior of yeah. that kind, you know, beyond some distasteful tweets and not in his 
um, real life and certainly not currently. I don't know if I'm really defending those tweets from 2008, but it's a personal opinion of mine that I'm not sure the punishment of that fit the crime. Agreed. And it feels like, you know, we are taking this Me Too um, movement, which was born out of the true need to fix a true problem, and it's become maybe a bit of a frenzy and, dare I say, witch hunt. Yeah, no, I think you're absolutely right because um, it's going over into every facet of society. I was sharing with you that one of my guy friends came to me and said, one of my good girlfriends has, you know, always been very equal rights, but now her feminism is getting to a place where he's like, every time she speaks, I feel so personally attacked. I did not get to pick to be a white cisgendered, you know, straight guy, but she turned the New York Times op-ed piece into a feminism rant, which had not, one had nothing to do with the other. You know, somebody inside Trump's world did something on the New York Times, and she raged that it was a white guy who couldn't come to light. And it's like, how you can't even. It, how did that work? And now you're taking away from that piece. So that rage culture. Right. That piece is anonymous. All we know is that person claims to be part of the Trump administration. And they did not claim a gender. They, it yeah. may have been a female. Yeah. Could have been a black female. Yeah. Probably, you know. So, you know, it could have been anybody. Yeah. And, you know, the way we get mad at guys when sorry, we... Sorry, there's no more black females <laughs> in the administration. My bad. Oh, my God. Sorry. Bye, <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. It's trying to be too inclusive for a minute. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean... Just the way we get mad at men when they say, like, not all men, when you're like, oh, men are the worst, and they're like, not all men. As, you know, feminists, you can't rage out and be like, Rawr. It isn't fair to the guys that are working their hardest. Think about my brother. He schools me constantly that I'm not doing enough, and I learned so much from him. I would defend him if somebody said, like, men don't know anything. I'd be like, not all men, you don't know my brother, (laughs) you know? Um, So it's just interesting because, like I mentioned, you know, Anna Holmes from Jezebel just said, you know, she had to leave Jezebel after, you know, her tenure there because she just was seeing what was going on and was really thinking to herself, like, I might have started this. Like, you know, we wrote articles to really spin up conversation. And she's like, and I know that the women that wrote for my site were being thoughtful but they sparked something in other women and men too, I'm sure. And then it just became rage in the comments. And she was like, I had to get out too much noise and every message was lost. Exactly. Like the pot is boiling over. We kind of, we've lost control of the message and how you get the lid back on, which reminds me of kind of two things. First, going back to that call your girlfriend episode, again, was called abuse of power comes as no surprise. You know, you and I have even just, we started the conversation talking about how men can also be victims and women can be abusers, but then we went on with the rest, even just you and I just now went on for the last 10, 15 minutes, the conversation only talking about, you know, women as the victims and men as the abusers. And again, we we just lost the message all over of where Me Too started. Mm-hmm. Anybody who's a victim, anybody who feels that they've yeah. been violated, that they did not give consent, or that someone wielded power over them to harass or assault them. So they brought up a great story on this episode of Call Your Girlfriend about an NYU professor named Avital Rennell, who's basically like this, she's a female, mm-hmm. she's a super professor, she's... Um, a German professor, but also literature and philosophy. People come from all over the world to study under her, including a 19-year-old German guy who I, they didn't put his name in the podcast. 
But he traveled to study under her and become her advisee and later um, came out and accused her of repeated sexual assault and harassment, including physical and um, uh, virtual, you know, harassment, if you will. Oh, Oh, like emails and text messages mm -hmm, and stuff? Yes, thank you. And he had the receipts. He had the emails and the text messages. He had firsthand accounts of her showing up at his home uninvited and, you know, basically molesting him. And her punishment was a one-year suspension. What? Yeah, from NYU. And many of her colleagues have come out in support of her, of you know, trying to pick apart his story, Ugh. call the victim a liar, yep. decredit the victim. It's the classic reason that we saw the need for Me Too specifically for for women because, yeah. you know, a lot of, there's so much, there's a a giant problem with victim blaming mm-hmm. and part of what me too uncovered is how many victims don't come forward because they know that they will be uh, criticized. Yeah. You know what they wore the night that they say that they were assaulted or what they were wearing in the office will mm-hmm. be picked apart what they may or may not have eaten or drink in what yeah. sort of, you know, conversation or banter they may or may not have taken part of. They will get ripped to shreds as a person trying to decredit them. And that's exactly what they did to this boy in the same circumstance. And this professor is on her suspension. She'll go back to work and and be fine unless this keeps going and she winds up getting let go. But I'm so glad they told that story on Call Your Girlfriend to remind us it can go the other way. The problem really is somebody who thinks that they have more power and are willing to yield it to abuse another person. Now, in that episode, did they talk about Asia Argento and the they did. craziness that came out recently that not only was she one of the very first accusers of Her- Harry Harvey. Harvey Weinstein, but it turns out she also abused somebody else, an underaged boy that she had been working with. And by the way, they say Asia Argento is an actress. Couldn't name you a flick she's been in. If y'all say so. If you say so. However, she was in a movie... And I believe the younger boy has messages, and a couple of her friends have messages. There are photos. We can find them online yeah. if we want to right now. Of and her in a bed, clearly topless with him. Yeah. And kissing. And, yes. And so an abused person also became... An abuser. Yeah. Right. That's... Um, the What was her name again? Tarika... Um, sorry, I lost her yes. name. I said it earlier. Burke, the, the original... Mm-hmm. Me Tour. Me Tour put out a great statement that they read on Call oh, Your Girlfriend awesome. talking about how it is true that she was the victim of Harvey Weinstein and mm-hmm. it is true that she abused this 17-year-old boy. We don't have a system in place in our society for both things to be true and to be treated separately. And that's a that's a new thing that we need to learn and to overcome because it's true that there, are, there probably are plenty of victims out there who aren't perfect people. Yeah. It's not like only perfect angels get abused. Correct. You know, but that doesn't ever mean that they deserved to be abused. Correct. Just because Harvey Weinstein may have abused Asia, it gives her no right, of course, to abuse another child. But as a society, we don't know what to do with that. And it was, I think, a really bad blow to the credibility of the Me Too movement when that Asia Argento story broke. I mean, this is why I, you know, keep going back to this podcast, the gray area. That's, we're just not in the black and white yet. What do we do with people? How do we bring them back into society, you know, into the polite society? What do we do with people who are abusers and have been abused? Like, we're just seeing so much more that we never saw on October 14th last year. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. October 15th, and then, boom, 
a spotlight has been shown on so many different things, and it's insane. Like, what do we do with this? Oh, we don't know. Um, I'm going to bring up a, a ray of light. How yes. about that? I found another podcast actually called, the title of the show is After Hashtag Me Too, Stories of Social Change. It's funny, well, not funny, I suppose, but it was highly interesting to me that it's actually an Australian show um, produced in Australia by Australian hosts and talking about, from the titles of the shows that I read, talking about Australian Me Too issues. Uh But they started just in August, and even in the description of their show, they're talking about We've been under the Me Too movement for about a year. What's changed in society? And and telling stories about that. I listened to their episode today titled Men Before and After. Nice. And the two hosts are actually women. But for this particular episode, they got one of their male producers to step in. They introduced it, and then they stepped back. Oh, cool. So their male producer interviewed two different men about, okay, we're a year after the Me Too movement started. What have you learned? Uh-huh. So the first man he talked to talked about how embarrassed he was to realize women are very complex human beings and oh. not just pretty things. Oh, you know, cool. he said he talked about how he has he's now reaching his thirties. He really talked about how he realized that on his own from his teen early twenty years into his 30s, but it reflected differently. Yeah, He told a story about when he was younger, in his early 20s, he was in an arts class, and there were a lot of women, and it was, I think it was the late 90s then, uh-huh. and Lilith Fair, everybody was yes. angsty. Women were making, like, basically vagina sculptures in oh, this probably. art class. Yep. So he scanned his dick on a scanner and printed it on a t-shirt and wore it to class. Like, I don't see why there's a problem. There's vagina all around me. Oh. And all of these women got very, like, offended. And he didn't understand at the time, and he kind of thought they were all being hypocritical, which I kind of have to hand to him. But one of his female friends took him aside and said, I don't think you realized how aggressive the naked male form is is, as opposed to the the female naked form. I think I talked about that on a show from some weird-ass podcast I listened to (laughs) a few weeks ago, but that really made sense to him. And then the second man that was um, interviewed talked a lot about the concept of consent. Yeah. And first of all, he was amazed at how much Me Too came up. And I think a man who doesn't think of himself and his abuser and who doesn't see his friends and fathers and social circle abusing women doesn't believe how widespread the issue really was. You know, um, I talked a lot about this with my ex-boyfriend, you know, kind of right before we broke up about like how many times things have happened to me and people that he knows in the workplace, some of the things that he'd done, they had done to me, nothing that I took any action with, but here's the situation. Here's what happened. I know it really opened his eyes. And this man said he was opened in the same way and also realized that he had basically abused. He'd been alone with women before who he thought were playing a little hard to get. And during a makeout session, you know, would reach for something. She'd push the hand away. He'd give her some time and reach back and realize now that's not cat and mouse. That's, that's not paying attention to her level of consent and having basically gone overboard Uh and how he realized that. And then he realized he needs to take, you know, better charge of that. And he needs to call out other men and it's important for women to see men not only being responsible for themselves in their own hands, yeah. but calling other men out and holding them responsible. So both of those stories, especially the last one, I thought were good rays of hope. And I think that there are other men in our vicinity who who 
are a little more woke than they were a year ago. Yeah, definitely. I think especially when you go back to the Facebook, like when everyone was writing like hashtag me too, I just know so many guys were like scrolling through and just seeing, holy crap. I mean, it sparked so many conversations that still need to continue. Yes, and I wish they were still continuing in that very earnest, like, oh, shit, no way, I had no idea it was this bad type of way, rather than this rage. Yeah, and then that follow-up, I had no idea it was that bad. What can we do to make it better? Where is the follow-up? Like, and maybe Me Too right now needs a comma, and the next part's going to come, but Mm -hmm. not to say put a period at the end of Me Too, really put a comma, because we did a thing. Now wouldn't it be great to finish the sentence with, and we got better, and we made better choices. We did better as a society. That would be amazing. Yeah. And I'm, I'm sure that's everyone's intention. Yeah. Again, without like a solid nucleus of like, <laughs> you know, a committee that's making plans and making schedules. And well, should we? Maybe we, we can. We Google Docs the other day, so I'm pretty <laughs> sure. One step. You got we the nanny on TV? It's just one step at a time. We'll take over the world with Podcast Rewind. Oh, I would love that. <coughs> I'm sorry. I keep coughing, you guys. At least I have a voice because uh, I didn't seven days ago. You really did not. Wow. How did you feel about that combo? Do you have anything else burning that you've got to throw out there before we get away into some fun recaps? Um, I don't think much. I just think that, you know what, it's messy right now. And we're all stumbling and finding our way. But as long as you can look yourself in the mirror, put your head on the pillow every day and know that you are continuing to move forward and learn right and fix mistakes. And if you had a crappy tweet in 2008, own it and keep going forward. I have to imagine we're only going to get better from here. And like I said, hashtag me too, but now there's a comma. What is the end of this sentence? How are we going to be better? What's next? Yeah. Awesome. Thank so, you for talking to me about yes, that. Yes. No, of course. I always love having deep conversations, whether or not it's a weird anxiety moment I had in second grade to the Me Too moment <laughs> to what I think about pop culture. All right. Should we take a breath? Yes. Let's take a breath and, and let's get back to our roots. Let's do it. Do you have any pop-ups this week that you really enjoyed? Yeah. You know, I okay, so I listened to a lot of, of new stuff. Um... I I just want to I want to I want to go ahead and make another ninety day mention real quick. There is a podcast called Pink Shade with Erin Martin that's pretty fully dedicated to ninety days. Oh, okay. So if you are watching that, take a listen. She recaps and she also does interviews with people from the show when she can get them. Oh, cool. But well, here's they're in America. <laughs> here's what I am gonna what she calls. Talk oh, to okay. Phone. Um, here is what I'm actually gonna pop up, and I'm sorry that it's not more fun, but you all know that I love my true crime. Here is a true crime that I have to imagine everyone heard about at the time, and um, it, you'll, it'll come back to you fast. Yeah. Do you remember the three girls in the house oh, in Cleveland, Ohio, yep. who had been trapped there for decades Ugh. by an evil, evil man named Ariel Castro? Yes. Um, so I think everyone knows the story. Amanda Berry, Michelle Knight, and Gina DeJesus were trapped, I think, I think, I think Michelle went first, and then Amanda, and then Gina. Uh-huh. And Michelle was beaten terribly. 
Amanda, for whatever reason, um, Ariel, the captor, kind of took a liking to and, in fact, had a child with. And then Gina was kidnapped a short time later. I recall the the amazing story of Amanda Berry one day climbing out the window, getting over to a neighbor's house, getting on the phone. I'm Amanda Berry. I'm missing. You're looking for me. When she called 911 and, you know, what kind of ensued. And what I recall, and, you know, there have been so many TV specials about the girls and how they're doing since. And they've written books. Um... That, Are they all? I thought one was like, I'm going away. Uh, Gina, well, Gina and Michelle stick together. Amanda has kind of gone off on her own, and I think she's kind of gone away. Michelle and Gina, I think. Got it. Michelle has written two or three books by wow. now. I'm not sure about Gina, but M- Michelle and her daughter, whose name we don't know because she's a minor, went away. But you and I talked about this, so I know we feel the same. Um, when those specials came out and they talked about how did these girls get kidnapped and, yeah. you know, be missing for a decade, the stories were not flattering to the girls. Yeah, that's you know, they They depicted, you know, one of them, I think Gina getting in the car because a stranger pulled up and said, hey, I have a puppy. Do you <laughs> want a puppy? And she hopped in the car and disappeared. Yes. Um, but Generation Y, uh-huh. a podcast that I've brought up here before, did an amazing deep dive into that story, and especially about the three girls. I'll be totally honest that I listened to it about two weeks ago, so the deets are super hazy to me Uh right now, but it will totally change your mind of what you think about those girls. So starting with Michelle, they went into just the absolute deplorable, horrifically abusive upbringing that she went through, Um, and I believe it was either her or Amanda that were actually friends with his daughter. And so he he knew them. And I I think it was Amanda was walking home in the rain and he pulled up and said, do you want to ride? And she got in the car because she thought it was her buddy's dad. Yeah. Well, I would have tried. If your dad pulled up on the curb next to me, I'd be like, yes, Rick, thank you. (laughs) Like, I don't know. Why are you in Orlando and where's Erica? But yes, I'll get in your car. I know you'll take me home. I trust you. You're my friend's dad. Yes. Um, so I, I think that the media did kind of a, a dirty to those girls because no, you're totally accurate. I have gone on what five or six years since they were saved uh-huh. thinking that they were low intelligence girls from bad families. And I'm so glad that they're safe now, but that, you know, they got themselves into a kind of a bad situation. <clears throat> and while all three of them, unfortunately found themselves in a terrible situation, I so recommend listening to this episode of generation Y. It's just titled Ariel Castro um, and and really listening in depth to how they got there, what the conditions were in the house. I don't even want to, I'm sure it was yeah, just... It's, look, yeah, I have a strong stomach to hear that part for yeah. sure. But um, it's a great deep dive. It's very well done by oh, the Generation Y guys. That's awesome. Yes. What do you have? Well, do you want to go light? Yeah, let's laugh. Let's laugh a little. Let's, let's do live, it. Laugh, live, laugh, <laughs> So my pop-up this Lou. week. That's funny. Yeah, you're welcome. Little Lorian. We had to get a real housewife dig in. Heck yes. So um, I am loving Saving Sex in the City 3 with Laura Marie Schoenholm. I don't, sure. really, don't really know how to pronounce her last name, so my apologies. That's fine. But, but how do we know her? We already know her. We know her from a handful of our favorite podcasts, such totally. as Babe, <laughs> as well as the Sexy Unique Podcast, the Sup Podcast, all about our favorite Bravo show. Vanderpump Rules. Oh, congrats, Lala, on getting engaged. And so happy for so you. So happy for Jackson you. Jackson Brittany must be fucking pissed. Oh, they're so upset. Um, however, we all know that about a year-ish ago, 
We were promised a Sex in the City 3 movie, and it was ripped away from us because of Kim Cattrall. That whore. And, I mean, they were saying that, like, script written, kind of getting the gang back together. People were getting (coughs) crews going. They were doing set stuff. And then she dropped out. And it was like, we're never getting our Sex in the City 3. Mm-hmm. I guess you guys went to Morocco, and unfortunately we have to end on that shitty note, because Sex in the City 2 souped pits. It was the pits. So anyway, so Laura is having guests come on her show every week and write their version of Sex in the City 3, helping us come to grips and cope with not having this movie. So I had to call out her episode from August, August 15th with... Ronnie Karam, another podcast darling. Ron, Ron. So Ronnie is from Watch Watch What Happens, and then he also does Rose Pricks, a Bachelor Mm -hmm. Rose podcast, which is also really great if you're a big fan of anything Bachelor. And he's and so who awesome. Isn't? He's guested on all of my other favorite shows, like Adderall and Compliments. Oh, they were great on Adderall and Compliments. He's on a bonus of Two Judgy Girls with that was um, good. Summer Mary. That is so much fun. So funny. He's so he's been on reality, um, reality life with Kate Casey as well. I think he also did the Bitch Bible. I think he and Ben were both on. Yeah. I mean, he's the greatest. He's the greatest. He is just a pop culture savant. Yes. And his hot takes are hot and hilarious. So in this episode, like I said, Ronnie comes to the table and he kind of has like an outline of a like a script and Laura just kind of helps pull the narrative along and you are for about an hour and a half getting two people telling you about a movie. That's a full length of the it's movie a, almost. It's a full length of the movie. So in this episode, Carrie and Big get into dangerous sex tourism, <laughs> resulting in a devastating injury. Samantha <coughs> finds herself pregnant and loving it. Charlotte hatches a plan to expand her own brood, and Miranda leans into a lie to boost her political career. So, like, it's hilarious because Carrie and Big are trying to, like, mix it up in their life. And like I said, they do sex tourism and go to the lovely country of Iraq. Oh, bless. <laughs> it's so bizarre. Sexy, sexy Iraq. Sexy. And then, like, they're doing um, excursions, like, out on, like, the front line. Oh, Jesus. And Big gets hit with a bullet, but it doesn't kill him. But the bullet gets into his brain, and it is going to move like a hair every day for the rest of his life until it comes out the other side of his head. So they're back in New York, and he's basically laid up in the hospital, but he really wants Carrie to move on because he knows he'll eventually die. die. So he basically, like creates a Bumble profile for her, sends her out on dates, but then, like, Bluetooths in her ear so he could be with her. Hilarious. I'm and down. then, I'm down. in, like, Life Imitates Art, Miranda, in her, like, old-school short haircut, yeah, yeah. gets mistaken as a guy while she's running for Congress or mayor or something and then leans into the fact that she's a man and just, like, hijinks in Sue. That's yeah. like a life imitating art a little bit with who Cynthia Nixon, Nixon actually really is. Became. Yeah, totally. Um, but it is really funny. I think Laura has like the driest, wittiest sense of humor. And her and Ronnie are just gold. And so if you are a huge Sex and the City fan, and you too are missing Sex and the City 3, go save it. Check it out. It was really funny. Okay, that sounds awesome. And so you said there's a new person on every week. Every and they week. Get to tell their own version yes. of what happened. So like I said, they come with like their own just like outline. And then Laura's like, oh, okay. 
but then this happens, right? Ronnie's like, yes, and then Miranda does this, and then, oh, but Carrie hates that, and they're at brunch one day. She's like, yeah, and Charlotte says this. Like, you were just getting people reenacting a movie to you that never happened. Classic yes and improv work. <laughs> so proud zip, of them. Zap, yep. zop. Nailed it. <laughs> Thank you. All right. Well, on that note, what a fun episode. Yes. I hope you guys enjoyed this new format. And we have to say, if there's any major topics that are floating around in your head, shoot us an email, DM us, do whatever you got to do, and we will add it to our list. Let us know what you think of this format. This is a giant departure from what we've been doing the previous 40 episodes, and we would love your feedback. Yes, absolutely. Don't forget, too, that we love and also, frankly, need (laughs) you guys to come out and show uh, your support on the platforms. Rate, review, subscribe. Please give us five stars and write a little something about what you think of this show. Yeah. Hopefully good. Hopefully good stuff. Seriously, um, you know, we're looking to get maybe some sponsors for this show. We just want to grow the Rewinder community in general. And we need your guys' help. We really do need you to support us with those reviews so that we get, you know, paid attention to around here in the podcast corner. It costs us a few coins to put this out every month, which we do not mind. But to continue to bring this to you guys free every week, a star or two or five would be really appreciated. Preferably five. Preferably five. So you know what? We are going to go fill some water. We might be a little thirsty yep. for your love. And we will see you guys next week for episode 42. We're going to do some more deep dives into some hot topics. Can't wait. So until then, everybody, do not forget. Be kind. And rewind. Bye, guys. Bye.